0: thought leadership from PwC
1: Investors are actually looking at impact when making their investment decisions so they're more likely to invest into a company that can credibly explain that they are addressing the negative impacts that they have on environment and people because impact now will or may trigger regulation in the future Mm -hmm. right and and that then is a very good indicator of long-term prospects and risks for these companies.
0: Today, we're back with a special episode covering PwC's Global Investor Survey. This is PwC's Accounting Podcast. I'm Heather Horn, and thanks so much for joining us today. Investors today want to better understand how companies are managing crises and staying resilient while creating and protecting long-term value in today's fracturing world. They're looking closely at two areas, emerging technology and sustainability, to gauge whether they can seize opportunities for reinvention and business transformation, or whether the companies will instead succumb to their rivals. That's according to PwC's most recent Global Investor Survey, which is now in its third consecutive year. There's a lot in this survey to unpack for corporate preparers, especially those working on sustainability reporting. So to help us do so, I've sat down with longtime contributor, Nadia Picard, PwC's Global Reporting Leader, to hear her insights. With that, here's my conversation with Nadia. Nadia, welcome back to the podcast to cover the latest global investor survey. and I think it's so exciting that we do this survey and it's always interesting to see the results. So maybe before we get into the latest results, it might be helpful to set context just by explaining what this is, why we do it, sort of the background.
1: yeah, thank you, Heather, and it's really a pleasure to be uh, with you again. I'm really excited about that. so, Look, companies need to deal with so many different crises and topics and issues these day. Um a Conflict on a geopolitical basis, um, inflation, the wars that I just mentioned, uh, supply chain issues, and the continued pressure on sustainability and, and getting on with the topics around that. The survey really is trying to understand how investors who will have to play a very significant role in deciding which companies they continue to invest in or which new companies they do invest in. We want to understand from the survey how investors look at these crises, how they want to understand the information that they need to make investment decisions into companies and what they will be acting upon um, when they get the information around these issues and topics. So we just go and ask them about it. Um, and, and really, this year's survey brought out very interesting issues and topics around sustainability is still very high up on the list. And technological change is really rising very much to the attention of investors. This year, 345 investors actually answered to our Wow,
0: survey. that's a right, so. great response, right?
1: It's a really good response. Right? Yeah. And we, we also have some some good verbal insights on, on, on top of... Um, just the statistics.
0: Yeah, so wow, people are really happy to share their information then. So I'm not sure, Nadia, if you have this in Germany, an elevator pitch, yeah. where if you only have you know 30 seconds or a minute, what would you tell someone about it? So if, if you know this concept, then what's your elevator pitch for the survey?
1: So my elevator pitch would be um, the results are investors want to better understand how companies are managing crises and staying resilient, while at the same time, creating and protecting long-term value creation in a fracturing world full of crisis. They're very closely looking at two areas, particularly sustainability and um, emerging tech to actually gauge whether companies are ready to address these issues in a positive way and stay resilient or whether they will give in to their competition.
0: So... One of the things that stood out to me when I looked at the survey was sustainability. And you and I have chatted about this. Obviously, we are spending a lot of our time focused on sustainability, but there are so many other issues out there. And I do think it's hard for companies and CEOs and CFOs. Where do they put their focus? And what stood out is that there's been a drop in positive views about sustainability, yet investors with positive view are still in a majority but it's you know relatively is it as important so can you elaborate a little bit about what we're seeing and why we think investors might be more interested in what else the c-suite is focused on
1: yeah so i, I think sustainability is really still very high up on um, investors minds and they really still are looking into the topics that we discussed already how is that thinking incorporated into the strategic decision-making in the risk management of companies? And how does it really link to financial statements? And investors are more interested in how sustainability thinking really lines up with the real business plan, with the business strategy, with the business risk. So it's not silo topics Mm -hmm. that they're looking at anymore, but it's really sustainability in the context of broader business activity. And I'm not so sure that the positive views really drop, right? If you look at uh, some of the listings, um, climate change and social equality are only number five and six on the list of topics that investors think companies will be exposed to. But those number five and six, and they're coming much closer to the issues like inflation or mm-hmm. or conflict, which all drop in the importance. So I think what that means is investors are recognizing that there are multiple topics, mm-hmm. a host of topics, and they're almost all becoming equally important. Now, there's always, there seems to be always a little bit of a crisis du jour mm-hmm. that obviously investors then need to understand how companies are responding to that to form their own views and make sure that nothing bad happens yeah
0: you know? yeah so it's interesting just to jump in here because as i think about it if we think about risk with sustainability obviously we're, we're seeing impacts now right but big picture the risks are in the future and we even talk about thinking about sustainability over the short medium and long term versus these other things you're talking about if you're talking about um, geopolitical conflict inflation other that is today you have to deal with it today and so how do you think investors and i know this may not be in your survey results exactly but i know you spend a lot of time with this how are they balancing something that maybe in 20 years this company? you know, may not be there because of some of its climate or other risks. And yet there's so many more immediate things they have to focus on as well. I've
1: heard a term, Heather, um, th- that I'm copying. I hope there's no copyright on that. <laughs> um, and, and that term is permavoculation, mm. which I think is quite funny. Um, and But that's what I would like to get to. It's yeah. Companies are faced with one crisis after the next. And we don't know what the next one will be, but there will be one. And investors are also getting more comfortable with very quickly addressing how the company is set up to, in an agile way, address the new crisis. Do they have an agile management team that comes together, can pull the right triggers to think through the crisis and run that through their organization? Is there good alignment? Is there good information for companies to first assess what the possible impact of that next crisis might be. So what I'm trying to say is investors get more comfortable with the ability mm. of companies to address those short-term crises. The long-term crises are here to stay and investors also, like, like climate change, mm-hmm. and investors are also recognizing that it's not done in the next few weeks. No. It actually does take stamina to understand and identify the business risks and opportunities. We sometimes forget to talk uh, about the opportunities. Very fair point, um, yes. And the impacts. That's another thing that we can dig into. Mm-hmm. So impacts are rising in investors' attention as well. So the impact that a company has on environment and people. So understand what all that means and then actually develop a sound strategy and then implement that and then act upon these sound strategies to address all these issues, that takes a while. And that's why I'm very, very encouraged that investors stay on the topic. Uh, So I'm I'm almost turning your
0: argument. That's okay. That's why you're here to educate all of us. And I think your point on impact is is quite interesting because there's been a lot of discussion and, and probably because of the circles I'm moving in around the differences and types of materiality between financial materiality and impact materiality and the interaction and otherwise. But to your point, investors are also thinking about impact. It's not just, you know, the dollars. And I don't know if you have any perspective, oh, further yeah. perspective um, on that. Um
1: investors are not people who invest into one company, right? So investors are people who invest into the capital markets and they're trying to make sense of what's happening everywhere. So one company's, one industry's impact on sustainability topics, let's say climate, let's say water, let's say deforestation, um, people topics, are another company's immediate risks, right? So I think investors want to understand how companies think about impact um, because they want to make sense of the world and they want to understand what the results of the impact of business on certain issues is so that they can factor that in their evaluation of these businesses, but also other businesses. Yeah, And we also have an interesting statistic that in, in the investor survey that says that investors are actually looking at impact when making their investment decisions. So they're more likely to invest into a company that can credibly explain that they are addressing the negative impacts that they have on environment and people. But also again, on the flip side, positive impacts, how they might be addressing issues and how they might be making a positive impact. Because, and now it gets a bit complicated, but impact now will or may trigger regulation in the future, mm-hmm. right? And and that then is a very good indicator of long-term prospects and risks for these companies.
0: Well, and so what's, what really stands out to me when you're talking about that is the importance of reporting, because companies need a way to communicate what they are doing, what their impact is, and all of this. And I want to get more into reporting, but before we leave this, because I've been uh, having a question, the 10% increase. So I said, you know, it's it's down a little, whatever, but you rightly point out, well, it's up 10 full percentage points. And I think we've hit on some of this. I just want to make sure, what do you think is is driving that increase to have such a big increase in the context of all these other issues we've talked about.
1: And in my mind, it's increased understanding, right? Offline when we were chatting away, um, we we talked about how, how many different things people and professionals have to deal with. And while some of us are really focused on these issues and topics, and we think we've all addressed it for two years now, Mm -hmm. and why is it so difficult? It does take a while for people to understand What is actually happening? How are we thinking about it? We had COP28 just in November in Dubai with the global stock take that reconfirmed that we are not on the right trajectory to address climate change. Investors understand that it does take companies a while to address it. So I think it's just that settling in of this is a real issue and it's here to stay and I really want to address it and understand it and deal with it.
0: Well, so it's, it's interesting in response to that, because you commented on, they need to understand, and then that goes back to the reporting point, right? And how important it is for them to do a better job reporting. And I think you saw that in your survey as well, specifically that investors want better reporting, but we know as, and you talked about the two years, but you know, we know there are a lot of challenges for companies. So what are some of the things that then you think about in that context,
1: So one last comment to the previous question. (laughs) Um, The reporting cycles are basically once a year also, right? So we're not getting additional substantive information on a monthly basis. It does take a while for the new information to actually be out in the open as well.
0: Yes, although now that you say that, the thing that popped into my mind is all these companies facing the challenge of annual sustainability reporting then think quarterly reporting and and it's that going to come and everything else but we'll save that for another day listeners we you don't need to, to start oh, worrying about that
1: because that that is a yeah a very good
0: point so, yeah. so you ask about the challenges yeah.
1: right um so so how do companies go, go about proper sustainability reporting so data is everywhere right everybody talks about the difficulties to get the data the data that you own that's already difficult um but even more so Sustainability reporting looks into value chains and has incorporated comparison to external data. So companies struggle with finding internal data and and getting a hold of good quality external data that they need for their um, sustainability reporting, let alone then deciding on or really Defining the data lineage: Where do I get the data? How do I store them? How do I manage them? Who has access? Who controls the data? All of that still needs to be defined. So, data is a bit top big topic, and we can um, dig dig a little more. Yes, (laughs) but what I find in my discussions with clients is that strategic coming together of the C suite of top management to actually decide how do we want to address these issues. Do we want to set targets? Do we have a credible plan that underpins these targets? And then how transparent do we want to be around that within the boundaries of compliant reporting, of course? That is very much underestimated. It it still seems in many companies to be an isolated pillar topic that sits Mm -hmm. in various departments. And I, I just talked to a company where it was very apparent that the CEO was a true believer, standing out in the community, pushing for more and more and more. But his whole organization was mm. still stuck in traditional reporting, in a lack of governance, in a lack of allocating responsibilities. So these the fixing these disconnects um, is, is really also what, what stands in the way of fast good reliable transparent reporting so there's still a journey to be had
0: so with all of that said and and we know there's these challenges then what are some of the strategies that you see companies using to improve data collection and reporting
1: yeah so better reporting really clarity to me is a word that comes together with Mm -hmm. better reporting right and it starts with the clarity on what is really material to me. It, it's, it's not, data is the second level, but it, I really first need to decide again on the backdrop of our regulation and, and being compliant, but what is really important to me. And then I need to decide, coming back to the plans and the monitoring of plans, um, we immediately get to something that we touched on before, which is the granularity of data. Do I want consolidated data once a year or do I need more granular data at a country level, at a business unit level, Mm. at a production site level that I actually need to address and manage the sustainability issues that I'm looking at? And how often do I need these data? So I need to define a data strategy in terms of what are the data that I'm collecting, right? And then I need to find the management tools to get responsibility on these data well-defined, right? Um, There's one company that we work with that um, went through the painstaking exercise of defining all the data and finding all the data that they need. But in this exercise, they found that most of these data points don't even satisfy their own data governance requirements. So so there is a lot of work to be done on, on that side as well, right? Yeah, so, so granularity, details, governance, controls is something that I really need to think through whilst I'm collecting those data and come up with a good plan before I go to the next level, which is then the technology solutions to improve my data mm-hmm. collection from something that is 80 percent manual to maybe something that is 20 percent manual right um let's not kid ourselves sustainability data collection will still be Mm -hmm. a little bit manual it's not all automated although some people dream of that will take a little while i'm not
0: even financial reporting is still not fully automated so So, yeah although we we can dream yes
1: exactly exactly (laughs) very good analogy right so so i then need to devise that strategy and implement it using technology and and Look, I sit here say that, it sounds also clear and easy. It's yeah, we not. know it's not. Right. Yes. It's not.
0: Yes. Yes, and we can I think I feel like we can have a whole other podcast about data, but again, pulling out something you said there that I think is going to be pertinent when we get into reporting, but also I just think is a sort of overarching as you said, it's important for companies to figure out what is really important to me and then we've talked about before here on the podcast how that fits in with strategy so put aside reporting we'll get to that but you need to know what you care about and then how that fits into your strategy and i know that that was something that came out in the survey this year as well so what did you guys see on that so
1: i think for investors it's all about credibility they they want to see that there is a strategy and it is, you and I, we read corporate reporting mm-hmm. a lot, right? It's, it's if you have a little bit of experience, it's very easy to get a good feel on whether this is sincere or this is just something that sits on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm.
0: Compliance, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so they want to see the strategy. They want to see the strategy underpinned by good plans on how to address this. And then they want to know that the measurement of progress against the strategy is really measured reliably. So we'd still have this outstanding metric in this report that says 94%, and that's an unbelievable number, 94% of investors think that there is at least some level of unsupported claims still sitting in sustainability reporting, wow. right? Yeah. I, I call that greenwashing, that's- right? I make a claim and it's not supported We can't just leave that metric standing there.
0: And can you imagine, again, to analogize to financial reporting, if investors thought 94% of financial reporting had those types of issues, our whole capital markets would collapse. And so it just, if you start to think of the importance of sustainability reporting, that level of distrust is really alarming. It is. Um,
1: And and again, I think the standards will help because Mm -hmm. they will define on how you... should think about and report about these things as a company the assurance that will be attached to this will help the development of data solutions Mm -hmm. and practicalities and thinking around controls and governance all of that will help so i really really hope that next year we see that number coming down um, and and going down from there on into the future
0: Well, and so maybe I'll switch to a more positive number that you guys found. So if I read this right, you guys found that 69% of investors said they would actually invest more in a company if they're managing these issues well. So they have some worries about the information, but they also said they would invest more if they they trusted management and some of those issues we talked about earlier. So what does that mean to you then? That means that... Going back to the beginning of
1: our discussion, right, so why sustainability reporting and how does it all hang together? Investors want to invest more in companies who can demonstrate that they manage their risks actively, that they analyze and look for related opportunities as well, right? Managing is not only managing against risks, it's also capturing the opportunity and minimizing the impact that they the negative impact and seizing the positive impact that they have on, on, on environment and people. I think it's quite obvious that this is attractive to investors, particularly with a long term view, because that means that you have a very resilient, well prepared business that is open eyed as to the challenges that will come at it in the future. Because to me, sustainability also it it's climate, yes. But it's also really beyond and, and looking around you and, mm-hmm. and seeing what's happening to your business and how you will address this.
0: Well, and I think that point then goes to what I wanted to touch on related to reporting and just curious your perspective on this, because, again, going back to your statement that again struck me, what's really important to you and how it fits with your strategy. But I also think that smooth some of the differences we see where people start to argue. Oh, I'm reporting under ESRS. I'm going to have this requirement, and ISSB that requirement, and I'm reporting California. And maybe the SEC will do something. But if you really step back and think about what's important, then some of these framework differences should be less important. But just curious, what your perspective is? If I look at financial
1: reporting, right, what's the main focus of the reporting that doesn't sit in the financial statements and the hundreds of pages in financial statements Mm -hmm. that sits in MD&A or even the summary of Mm -hmm. the MD&A, that's revenue, that's some form of EBITDA Mm -hmm. um, cash flows. Mm -hmm. Strategy, like what I'm doing. Absolutely. Right. And then the narrative around that. So, so what I'm getting to is that there's a few KPIs that underpin the story of my strategy and those kpis when we just reduce it to climate it's all greenhouse gas protocol isn't mm-hmm. it right so carbon accounting so the the underlying accounting on some of these sustainability issues is pretty aligned it's pretty uniform right and then the reporting might be different the disclosures around it might be different people might be coming at materiality from slightly different angles but nobody's going to read 80 pages of sustainability reporting and 80 pages of financial reporting. People are going to read the narrative.
0: Yes, although so that's that a little depressing together. if you think about the job of financial reporting people and auditors, but it's still important information.
1: It needs to be there yes. so that the overarching summary story is really underpinned by something that is well-defined and credible. So don't get me wrong. Right. We need those pillars yes. for that overarching narrative to stand on.
0: So... Nadia, one, I'll call it tiny elephant in the room, is that 60% or so of our podcast listeners are from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then the other 40% is global. And we're talking about a global investor survey here. But anyone in the U.S., as well as people outside the U.S., are probably aware a lot of political differences in the U.S., including around sustainability and, you know. Like, I don't need to go into more detail than that. Two questions Are we seeing in the data? Because I know you looked at some of the US data, any strong trends, and then anything anecdotally you think from an investor in a US company perspective that either says yes, maybe you can ignore it, or or no, it's equally important. One difference
1: um, that struck me is actually around that greenwashing metric. That was less pronounced Mm. in the U.S. than it is in the global survey. And the way I make sense of it is um, having lived in the U.S. and worked in the U.S. for a few years, um, companies are so trained to think about the consequences of what they say that they'd rather do the homework first Mm -hmm. and then be transparent about it later. In Europe and other parts of the world, it's much more accepted to state ambitions first and and sort of paint a more communications driven picture and then start underpinning that with with action. So I think that makes a big difference, right? That that is one very big difference mm-hmm. that stood out. I think on all the other stuff, it's actually pretty, pretty similar. Nothing that really stands out that much, right? A number two or number three in a list might change or swap, Mm -hmm. um, but but that is not significant to me.
0: Yeah, and I think for our listeners' benefit, if you're truly interested, there is a U.S. cut of the survey that we can link here. And I think, Nadia, to your point, there's not a lot of difference, but I I can see maybe some skepticism from some listeners, like, really? Because we do hear so much press and otherwise. But it sounds like from your point of view, investors in US companies are no big picture, not really any different than investors in other global companies.
1: One aspect that we haven't really driven out in our conversation just yet is that um, it, it really becomes a lot clearer that dealing with sustainability is, is not a topic by itself. It really needs to be embedded in to the corporate strategy, and companies still need to perform, right? They still need to demonstrate the financial performance that is expected of them. It's really not an Mm either-or, it's definitely an and. You need to demonstrate sustainable business behaviour and manage your sustainability risks and opportunities and perform financially and run a sound business. So I think that investors are understanding that, Companies are understanding that. Unfortunately, the the problem always sits with the company who has to manage all these things. But that is taking a lot of the heat out of the debate as well.
0: And then I know you spend a lot of time with this data, but you also spend a lot of time meeting with management teams and others. So you're kind of seeing both sides of the coin. And so if you are talking to a CFO or CEO about these results or about what investors are looking for, what's sort of your bottom line? Maybe not quite an elevator pitch, but what's the main thing you would tell them that they should be doing maybe differently and communicating with their investors or maybe continuing.
1: A couple of things. Number one, seek that investor dialogue to really understand what your investors think about you and expand it from financial performance into this broader discussion. Be transparent about the journey that you're on mm-hmm. because all of this does not happen in a day um, we're just seeing how regulation on reporting has settled. Companies are implementing it. They're still on their data journey. We will only see the first big wave in Europe of reporting in a year from now. I know. Yeah, so, so it's it's a while out. And then only will we be able to drive the insights based on these data to really advance the discussion one step more. So it's a bit of a journey, but take it seriously and align within the C-suite But don't forget the cultural change that you need to run through your organization because you might have financial reporting under control for so many years. People know what to do. They know what data means. They know what data stewardship means. People dealing with sustainability data, people from operations, from purchasing, from all different departments within Mm -hmm. the company are not used to that. So they need to go through a cultural change as well.
0: So, Nadia, again, pulling out one thing you said there, transparency. And I know it's something we say about reporting, but I think maybe moving down from the C-suite, if we think about the controller, or we think even someone who's involved in the numbers and reporting, from a financial reporting point of view, it's uncomfortable if you're reporting things that aren't fully developed or baked. You kind of reference this even with the U.S. And yet for sustainability, it is going to be this journey. We are going to continue to learn more. We may find that we have better methodologies two years from now and otherwise. And so I think that discomfort of, oh, things aren't quite where we want them to be is, is a struggle. And so, you know, again, you talk to a lot of people, what is your perspective when you hear concerns around that?
1: My perspective is it really depends where in the world you actually sit for that. Um, I I think there is, that there's always been, if if I look at the RFs implementation in Europe, it was apparent that the regulators, the enforcement bodies within the regulators were on a learning journey. They ask a lot of hard questions in year one, two, three, Mm -hmm. four. It took them until year five to really find their positions and then enforce it. So... I would think there is a similar learning journey mm-hmm. where the whole ecosystem, reporters, enforcers, regulators, learn from each other, with each other, and get smarter and develop this point of view. Now, that's a very European view. I've been talking to a regulator in Asia. I won't go into the country. Yes. Very different approach, right? They put out rules, they give companies absolutely no time to implement months, where we take years, um, then companies comply, they do report something, Mm -hmm. but the regulator is very aware that before they even start thinking enforcement, they should let it sit there for a year, two, three, four, for for the system to then develop on the back of the clarity of the rules that they put out. Now, in the US, there is more anxiety because of the different environment, Mm -hmm. the different litigious environment as well. Um, I would hope that this enforcement and regulatory action and individual action also takes into account the learning journey of of what is a very, very new field of reporting and transparency, and, and frankly, also action, right? One more point. Mm-hmm. I think all of Europe, is the big corporates, are very anxious on what will happen after the first wave of reporting, how Single interest groups might be picking out specific issues and topics and how they will be able to engage and explain um, also the bigger picture of their sustainability journey, of their overall company performance. So it remains to be seen how how well we manage this to turn into a very constructive dialogue.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think to that point, it is important to remind ourselves, and you alluded to this, accounting, even IFRS that you've had here and I guess in Europe for 20 years or so, accounting and reporting has been around for a long time. And I uh, was auditing a client and we found old financial statements from like 1920, so 100 years ago. And the reporting of the bank statements, they listed the bank name and the balances down to the penny in these reports. But nonetheless, 100 years ago, they had a concept of a balance sheet and an income statement and all these things. And we've just continued to develop and improve and everything else. Now for sustainability reporting, all of that is happening so, so quickly. So based on, again, your conversations and what you've seen in your survey results, what do you think we're going to see in sustainability reporting for this future of reporting and, you know, all of this change? So- I think a hundred
1: years ago, we didn't have technology to help no, us. No, that's much, true. Right? Yes,
0: um, these were typed financial
1: statements. So <laughs> exactly. that's and, and probably somebody walked over to the bank yes. to get a clerk to write down the balance, yes. right? So, um, so so we will see technology help us significantly with this journey, right? We're going to get smarter on data. We're going to get smarter on what looks good, what doesn't look good. Um, I, I think we will see a very, very fast development of a sound basis of sustainability reporting on par with financial reporting, right? And and that is what also regulators are setting out to drive us the solution at different paces in mm-hmm. different countries, right? So I, I think that is the future that we will see. I think we will see um, broad and extensive sustainability reporting statements. I think we will see how the topics that matter be driven out Very quickly, on an industry basis, um, on a territory basis. So, I think that whole ecosystem will come together and and find really good solutions in a very short period of time. And when I say a very short period of time, I actually do mean the next five years. So, maybe not that short of a period of time. We're not talking. I think medium
0: term. Might be five years, right?
1: Medium term, five years. Excellent, <laughs> excellent compromise, right? And and how do we define that in IFRS? I forgot. Anyway. yes. Um, <laughs> um, so yes, in the medium term, we will find that system to be building out. So.
0: All right. Well, definitely a lot to come. Any final thoughts or? Yeah. So
1: as you read the report, right? So we've talked a lot about sustainability. There is this concern around emerging technology and how companies deal with that and the threats that uh, may come with it, um, s- stepping back, it's again, how do companies deal with a topic that is emerging and that is important from how do I seize the opportunity that this presents and how do I manage the risks? So it comes back to, to this almost obvious dealing with new stuff rationale, right? And then again, the trust element of everything, we need to get that 94% metric down. We need to make sure that the data are properly governed and we need to make sure that assurance is fit to increase the trust in those data and the overall reporting.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on, Nadia, because I think that number was also 94% last year or right around. You know, next year at this time, we'll be starting to see the results of the first year of reporting. So it's going to be a very exciting time. So definitely we'll need to have you back to talk about that. But thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Heather, for having me. That's our show for today. Tune in next week for more fresh episodes. So that you never miss any of our audio content, follow the PwC Accounting Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to stay up to date on all our latest accounting and reporting news, sign up for our newsletter at viewpoint.pwc.com. From Thought Leadership at PwC, I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in.
1: This podcast is brought to you by PwC, All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and they sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors, including accountants and lawyers.